This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. My kids every now and then, you know, whenever they'll be at home and they'll say to me, Daddy, or they'll say to their mom, Mommy, I'm bored. And I could think of a whole lot of stuff they could be doing. And I feel like we're in, a, we're in a time when we have to be engaged every second. We don't really understand the art of being still before the Father. And sometimes that's all he wants. He doesn't even want us to be saying anything. You know, sometimes my wife, she doesn't even want to be saying anything to me. She just doesn't want me to be in the other room watching something. I just needed to sit here in the room with me so I know you're with me. And I feel like today that's one of the messages that God is trying to bring across. That you don't have to be engaged in something every minute to feel significance. Sometimes we just need to be quiet before him. Because he understands our quietness. <laughs> Jesus said he knew what was in the hearts of men. So what's different with your heart and mine? Feeling overwhelmed? Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Just sit before him and give him a few minutes. Let him rinse what's going on. And I feel like today... The Lord is telling us, just in the midst, in the midst a few, few years ago, I think it was Mike Ponce, he, he taught a class in, um, in what we called a young adult uh, class that back then. And he said, close out, something like this, close out the noise. And I feel like in this Christmas season, the Lord is asking us to close out the noise. So we could hear him clearly and so he could still our hearts in the midst of chaos thanks for joining us today thanks to pastor and the council for the opportunity to <clears throat> to represent the father again uh, today I want to speak to us from Isaiah chapter 9 from Isaiah chapter 9 now, I, uh, this morning, while I was at home, you know, getting ready to come to church, I decided, let me listen to the prayer chap uh, chapters, chapter 7, chapter 8, and then I was listening to chapter 10, and I was listening again because, because somehow it seems like what was going on back then, it seems similar to what we're experiencing in our day. I recall in one of the past, in chapter 8, I believe, that the Lord, he gave a word to um, Ahaz. And Ahaz, out of disbelief, did not even do what the Lord asked him to do. 
And so because of that, everything started declining. I mean, things were declining before, but it's like he was reluctant to even doing what was asked to be done. And, and I think we're living in a day that we, if we don't see it, we don't believe it. And we claim to be believers, but the truth is, belief has nothing to do with seeing something physically. Faith has nothing to do with seeing something physically, but we're living in a world where we have to see it physically. It has to be tangibly in front of us for us to believe it. Then, I mean, what benefit do we have against unbelievers then? So let me get into the message. I titled this message, Glue, Glory for Gloominess. Have you ever seen a more gloomier, I don't, gloomier world, year? Some people are really looking forward to December, sorry, to January 1st. Because this is one of those years that we're, we're hoping it will just get behind us quickly. Because if we could get out of this year, everything else will change. See, I don't believe that we're living in an uh, era more complicated and confused than the day we're living in. We go searching for wisdom and knowledge and are overwhelmed by the quantity of information we find. Google gives us every information we need. Even though a lot of times it is misinformation. We don't know what to believe or who to believe any longer. We play mind games that begin with, well, define it for me because there are no absolutes. Since when did our dictionary go out of style? But where do we go for wise counsel? In this late stage of the game, is there a wise counselor who can illuminate our path? There's a sense of gloominess and hopelessness all over the world. Many world leaders are feeling helpless at the rapidly changing political and economic circumstances. We feel helpless at bringing about changes in a world that has gone, we say, gone nuts. Is there no one who can give us power to do what we need to do? We need wise counsel, but who can provide that? If we need the power and the authority, who can give that? There is a great sense of insecurity in our world. When I was growing up, my parents, actually my grandparents, they could leave their doors open all night and nobody will mess with their things. You'd be in your house and people would still come and take your stuff. We have a hard time trusting others because of so many lies that go around. And even people in authority are telling lies. We have a hard time trusting. If, you, if I was to ask you, you'd tell me you have a hard time trusting people. Because maybe you have been hurt before or maybe somebody you know has been hurt before. But is there someone to who, whom we can turn in this crazy, mixed up, confused and insecure world? That would help us to find security and peace. Is there someone? <laughs> See, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah lived in a day that political and spiritual confusion was around. 
gloom and doom filled the atmosphere. There was a sense of helplessness as the Assyrians knocked on their front doors. Like in our days, insecurity and restlessness filled Isaiah's days. Isaiah chapter 7 and 8 opens with a faithless king, King Ahaz of the southern kingdom of Judah, refused to put his trust in the Lord God to save Judah from the hands of the evil coalition that was coming for them. Except for the prophets of Yahweh, it was a time of spiritual poverty in Judah. Let's see how Isaiah described the spiritual, spiritual conditions. In chapter 8, verse 19 and 20 to 21, it says, When they say to you, a few, you know, a few, probably about two weeks ago, my wife asked me about what do I believe about uh, mediums? And I said to her, I said, Actually, let me tell you the truth. In Jamaica, there are some believers that have gone to what we call witchcraft people. And they've gone to mediums to hear what mediums have to say about the direction for their lives. Guess what? In Isaiah's days, that's what people who claim to be believers were doing. Stargazers. He says... When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not the people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? They will pass through the land hard-pressed and famish, and it will turn out when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse the king of God as they face upward. Then they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness because these people are seeking options outside of God. There will be gloom and darkness. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His principles doesn't change. If I was to put it in one phrase, I would say it was night without end in Judah. There was constant darkness. There was gloominess. But this kind of darkness is as a result of persistent unbelief. I said King Ahaz, unbelief caused all of this to go into action. So, in light of that, so that was chapter 7 and chapter 8, and then, then we came over to chapter 9, and I feel like I should read it. I feel like I should read it. Just to give us context, I need to read it. Isaiah chapter 9. After all that I just said, Isaiah chapter 9 now says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. <laughs> I don't know about you, you know, but that's all like, I hope that's what he's saying about 2021. There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, 
But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people when walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living on the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I got so excited because that's what belief in God will result in for us. That's what happened when we put our focus on him. Hey, God, I understand what's going on to my left and to my right. But guess what? I will put my trust in the Lord. Whatever you say, Lord. Like Pastor Chris preached last week. When the angel came to Mary, what did Mary say? Mary didn't understand anything that was going on. Imagine this teen. And an angel comes to you. Eh? And Katie? And the angel comes to Katie and said, you shall be with child. Katie's, Katie does not have a husband. She hasn't been with a man. And if you understand what would happen to her if she, if she was to be pregnant without being married. And Katie, Katie's response to the angel of the Lord was, Whatever you say, let it happen to me. We're in the Christmas season. This is what we're celebrating in this Christmas season. So what will be your response in this Christmas season? Is life limited to the context of our world or what you see? Or is life based on his word? We used to sing this song. Whose report will you believe? Whose report are you going to believe in this Christmas season? The church got to trust the Lord because the world is looking for something to believe in. And if we don't believe what we claim we believe in, how will they believe it? So let me go down through the passage now and can I talk a little bit more about it. Here I realized that God was giving a divine exchange. <laughs> I like it, I say it and I like it. But that's, that's not what I have on my paper though. But a divine exchange. Actually what I have is a glorious exchange. But let me say it's a divine exchange I see happening here. Notice what happens in verse 1 and 2. It says, with po poetic beauty in verse 2. The prophet expands the first suggestion of the coming of the Messiah that was spoken about the, the, in chapter 7 verse 14 when it says a virgin shall be with a child. He expanded that now and he said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Woo! He is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. See, God's presence is equated with light in the Bible. God is light. And I like the Greek of, verse, of, of chapter 1, uh, verse John 1, verse 5b. It says, we read it as God is light and in him there is no darkness. But when I read the Greek, what it said to me, he is light and in, and in, in him there is no darkness, none at all. That's emphasis for me. Not even a glimmer of darkness when it comes to him. Yeah. 
the great light that appears is the Messiah. 700 years after Jesus began his ministry, right here in the area of Galilee, Jesus stood in the temple and declared, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You are following Jesus. Who cares what's happening around you? The light of Jesus is in us. So what does that do for us? What does that do for us? It dispels darkness. Wherever you go, the atmosphere changes. Wherever you go, something changes because you're walking with the presence and the authority of Jesus. So at work, they need to know that you're there. At home, your kids need to know you're there. Not because of abuse, but because they know that the presence of the Lord is there. Seth serving on the job. And they're wondering, why is he so pleasant? Why is he so joyful all the time? Even in the midst of difficulties. Because the light of the world lives in Seth. Stressful job. Gets you on a Sunday morning and he, you can see a smile on his face. Even, even when things are difficult. He's praising because the light of the world lives in him. What is your response in difficulties? What is your response? What is my response? COVID. I don't know what to say. Let me pass. Do you find yourself groping in darkness, spiritual darkness, or society is reeling at the effects of an unfaithfulness to God? That's what happened with Ahaz and they, an unfaithfulness to God led that God used their enemies to be a whipping stick for them, to be a rod for them. They worship idols, idolers, idolatrous images of materialism, prostituted themselves to deity that made them feel good and gave them immediate responses. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church of Corinthians. For God who said, light shall not shine, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has stone shown on the hearts to give light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. That's what he does for us. So let me ask you, are you going through the valley of the shadow of what we call death? Jesus, who is the light of the world, can illuminate your path. Now, please, I, want, I don't want you to hear me as me saying that it's not difficult. That's not what I'm saying. Believers have been facing difficulty throughout history. But I want you to realize that our response does not have to be doom and gloom. It could be hopefulness. Secondly, in verse 3, look at what verse 3 says. It says, you shall multiply the nations. You shall increase their gladness. <laughs> you shall increase their gladness, their joy. 
They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So who are we celebrating this season again? We're celebrating Jesus. What are we celebrating? That he came to earth? Huh? Come on. Is that? Is that? If you're online, you can answer me too. So if we're celebrating that he came to earth, and this is what he brings when he comes, is this for them or is it for me and you? Okay, okay, okay. I want you to realize that this is the scripture. I don't care what the world says. It doesn't matter to me. My hope is in the Lord. And Jesus came to work. One of the songs that you guys, uh, praise team, were singing this morning says, Joy, unspeakable joy. It's not just a song. That should be our reality. <laughs> Think about it. Jesus, Southern Hills is asking for this. This is what we're asking for, Lord. I know it's a difficult season. But if you spoke it, you can do it, Lord. And we want it. Because of the coming Messiah, there will be gladness and joy before the Lord. The Lord is the source of their joy. Many have tried to find joy in shopping at Christmas. So what if you can't buy that gift or you can't cook that amazing Christmas dinner? Are you going to be gloomy through the season? I could say whatever I want. You, you, may, you may think that Asif could say whatever he wants because maybe he could buy whatever he wants to buy. But I put that aside. That's not what I'm talking about. Even if you don't have that new outfit that you want to have this Christmas season. Let me go deeper. <coughs> this one is tough. This is one of the toughest seasons for many people. And I said this Wednesday night because this is when you're going to miss your loved ones the most. joy of the Lord to infiltrate your orifice. Allow him to infiltrate everything because if we sink ourselves in gloom, it only gets worse. God wants us to invite him in to our pain this season. Our church has been shaken Heavily this year. Heavily, heavy, real, real, in a real heavy way this year. That's why this word is probably more, even more significant for us, Southern Hills. Because we're going to need God to come in and give us that gladness, oil of gladness. We're going to need Him to replace gloominess with joy. 
even from the Roman prison cell, the Apostle Paul could rejoice in his change. If you see Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, if you know anything about Paul, I mean, if you've been in church for, for a few months or <laughs> for a few weeks, you'd, you'd have heard something about Paul. Lashed. Snake bitten. And the list goes on. And this is the same guy who's telling us to rejoice. You know that the more... I know sometimes... Let me tell you something I know about us as individuals, as people. Sometimes we feel like it's all right to stew. You know, have you ever been in a position where you feel like, you know what, I just don't want to get out of this. I don't feel like I'm worthy to get out of this right now. So we, what's the right, so we sabotage ourselves emotionally because we feel like we deserve this in this season. God, there's nothing in the scripture that tells me that. We are harder on ourselves than God is. God is saying, just invite me in. Just tell me you're sorry and invite me in. Well, that's it. And let's move on. That's it. Thirdly, in verse 4, let's look at verse 4. It says, For as in the day of the Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bars across their shoulder, the rod of the oppressor. What God is saying is that He is going to remove our oppressors and He's going to reward us with freedom. This is the reason for rejoicing. So what holds us captive? What holds us? What chains holds us? Jesus entered the synagogue in Nazareth and the attendant gave him the scroll to read. And he went to Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and he began to read. Luke 4 verse 18 to 19 records it and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to, pro pro to proclaim release to the captives. Is he still doing that today? Are you held captive by your belief systems? Your philosophy, your past hurts, your successes. What is it that holds us captive? Held captive by what you don't have or what you do have? Jesus comes to set captives free. And he gives recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed now, that's a word that needs a pause. Do you know that there are many believers who are oppressed? I didn't say possessed. I say oppressed. So what happens? The devil, the way he works is this. He tries to wear us down. 
And so you notice every now and then those thoughts that come and those thoughts, they mess with your mind every now and then. And he tells you you're not good enough. He tells you you'll never make it. Who would want you? You would not amount to anything. You're a failure. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who follow not after the flesh but after the Holy Spirit. So what am I saying today? God has come. The Jesus came in this season to bring freedom to those who are oppressed. So why are you oppressed today? I, I, I know it's not this easy. And speaking it from the pulpit doesn't really change anything. But let me assure you today that God does not oppress you. He doesn't hang your, your past over your head. He doesn't tell you your failures. Look at Romans chapter 8. He doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, he offers hope. He lifts us up. So are you watching online today and you feel like you will not make it? Let me tell you what the scripture says. He gives freedom to the captive. Are you in this building today? And, and we need to say this because we're celebrating Jesus. And every time I listen to those Christmas carols that, that echo the gospel message, I, 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 I have to sit and listen. And even this morning when you guys sang one of, the, one of those, I, I mean, I listen. I kind of ooze in the words because that's the reality. That's why Jesus came. I love Santa. I love Santa. As a matter of fact, I shouldn't say this public because my kids will probably hear it. But as a matter of fact, I may have to do some stamping later this week. But that's not why we celebrate the season. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Would, could that be 2021? Verse 5. <clears throat> Every warrior's boots used in battle. And I I, I particularly love this verse. The first time I read this, a couple of years ago, and I saw this, I'm saying, this doesn't make any sense at all. Every warrior's boots used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. doesn't make any sense to me until I ask the Holy Spirit, what exactly is this talking about? So you have had... So back then, all these warriors, remember they had to fight. There was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of fighting and all those things. What he's saying is that, so you've been struggling for so long, huh, Lauren? Huh? You've had to fight your way through? Huh? Huh? Hey, Josh, you've had to push your way through and fight? He's saying, guess what? You see those soldier boots that you had? You had to fight? You won't need them anymore. You see that garment that you had that you have to use to fight? He said, you won't need it anymore. He said you could put it in the fire. It, become, it, will be, it will help to fuel the fire. Get rid of it. Because guess what? You won't have to fight like that anymore. 
the battle is over. I've taken it over. Use it for fuel for your fire. Because guess what? You won't need it anymore. When I saw that, I said, okay, all right, the battle is not mine, but the Lord's. Yeah. Hey, get out of the way. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jesus. This is the reason you came. Go ahead, Jesus. Take it over. So he's going to extinguish war and he's going to replace it with peace. Now there's a good thing that we won't have to, it won't be, we won't need to fight those kind of battles anymore. But I love what he gives. He gives peace. I want to tell somebody today, Jesus declaring, is declaring extinction of war and he's declaring the application of peace. He said, my peace I give to you not as the world gives. He gives divine peace that keeps you cushioned even in the midst of the storm. I want you guys to hear me well. I'm not saying that there won't be problems. As a matter of fact, whenever you, whenever you decide to walk right with the Lord or to walk in his way, the problems multiply. I'm, I'm sorry, I could have, I could have just, I could have just... <laughs> I could have just speared you and just lied to you and tell you, hey, guess what? It's okay. You'll be fine. Ah, you'll be okay. <laughs> fine and dandy. No, 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 no. It says, they that desire to live righteous will experience persecution. There's no way around it. But you know the beauty about it? Is that he said that he will be with you. And in the midst of it, he'll be your peace. Now, if he said that to me, if my big brother said to me, <clears throat> Joe, you have, a, you have any brothers? So Joe has a younger brother. Oh, sorry, an older brother. Let's say older brother. And Joe, when Joe goes to school, guys would bully Joe around, okay? Just imagine, they're bullying Joe. Those must be bigger guys to be bullying Joe around. All right, Joe? All right, and so, now, now it sounds funny, but I, I want to get to a point here. And Joe's bigger brother said, that's oh, okay, I'll, I'll protect you. I'll protect you, my brother. And Joe goes out and he's on the playground. And the other guys came up to him. And when they came up to him, Joe is there and he's shaking. And then Joe's brother come up behind him. And then all of a sudden, Joe realized that the other guys are backing off. And Joe is feeling good. So, so Joe feels good now. Ah, they're scared of me. No, no. It's what the bigger brother just said. That's what the bigger brother said. He said, I got you. What are you worrying about? Hey, it's going to be difficult, but I've got you. This is what he says in his words. So when you feel the fear coming on, just tell him, hey, this one looks difficult. You got me? He says, yeah, I got you. I got you. Even if your knees are shaking, just remember, he's got you. And you will not go down. Hold your ground. So, let me run on. Verse 9, chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. I want to touch on a few things there. So, I just spoke about the divine transfer or the divine exchange. He's exchanging all that gloominess for all these pleasant stuff now. But then there's more. There's added bonus. There's added benefits. 
for unto us a child is born. <laughs> you see, he's not just another child. And we may, some people may tend to think, it, you know, I actually I was listening to a few um, Christmas songs. So it wasn't Christmas carols only, some Christmas songs that we, you know, I think it was 104 and they were playing all Christmas songs. I was listening to it and, and Mariah Carey came on and he, she sang and then others came on and they sang. And, you know, I wonder, does the world actually realize what they're singing when, when they sing about silent night? All of them are proclaiming the gospel. <laughs> Do they realize what they're celebrating? Do they realize the birth of this significant one? And they're singing all this. I'm saying, God, if they would only stop and realize what they're singing. Maybe they would change management and come under Jesus' management. And we sing, Oh, holy night. Did they realize what they're singing? I realize it. Do you realize what you're singing? The birth of Jesus is a gift of God. He's a child, but he's also a son. Heir, direct lineage. Actually, he's God himself. From early time, the Messiah was recognized as the son of David, a legitimate heir of David's throne and son of God. He, was, he will, in some significant way, appear on the scene as a child and will be born as a human being. Yet he will be given his son par excellence. Higher than the highest. He is truly unique. You know, some people think that, you know, we, it's strange. You know, some people, you know, we sing sometimes like he's still a baby. Like he's still a baby. Can you imagine if God had sent his son as a grown man? Would you be able to identify with him? Would you? You wouldn't. I guess like he's some superhuman. <laughs> Who is that? He's one of those characters we watch on TV. Superman? No. He was born as a baby. Actually, not in Weston. Give me the name of some of the amazing hotel. Ritz? He wasn't born in Ritz. He had some company, though. There was a sheep over there, goat over there, and some hay. The humility to which he came, in which he came. But he was God incarnate. This was God in flesh. That's why he can identify with us. He walked where we walked. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians tells us, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. 
That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, but has now been manifested to his saints. You hear that? To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is in Christ. It's now in you, the hope of glory. Who lives in us? The God-man, the divine one, is with us. He left his Holy Spirit. Now for the next few minutes as I try to wind down, let me talk about some of the things that he mentions about this divine one. See, the names that we sing about, we say, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father in this passage. It says all of those things, but what does that really mean for us? Just some beautiful name we sing? Or was there something that he's bringing? What value is he bringing to us? This morning, oh, today's my wife's birthday. So this morning as I prayed, one of the prayers I prayed, I know that she's a therapist, and guys... I know many therapists, therapists, and I'm not boasting. I don't know anybody else is as good as she is. I'm not boasting because she's my wife. She had this, I, I think the Lord gave her this gift before she even, before she even went to school. He, he, he sent her to school just to bring credibility to what she's done, doing in her. But you know what? My wife is nothing compared to this wonderful counselor. Nothing compared to him. She's good. She's pretty good. But she's nothing compared to what he does. Literally, he is wonder of a counselor. He gives comfort and strength throughout time and eternity. The Messiah himself is a wonder. Have you ever been awed by something? Huh? That's what this is saying about him. When you encounter him, when the angels saw the light and all that, and when they, weren't they awestruck? Have you ever seen the movies before? It's a wonder when we experience the Savior, just the same way. But you know what? Because he doesn't come with any fan flare. Because he doesn't come with any pumps and, and all kind of stuff. We think that, okay, meekly child. Can you imagine the God of the universe come to a place where he can identify with you? I have to keep my six feet away. Identify with you. That's what he does. The God of the universe He's made it personable. He says, okay, I can listen to you and I can offer you strength. I can offer exactly what you need in this moment. He's a wonder of a counselor. But the truth is, when you face challenges, where, you, where do you turn first? Where do you go first when you face challenges? On the phone? Is it on the phone? Where do you go first when challenges come your way? 
why don't we give him the opportunity to do what he was created to, uh, sorry, he wasn't created. Why don't you give him the opportunity to be who he is in your life, in my life? Let me say me. It says he's a wonderful counselor. Then he says he's the mighty God, the strong one. Literally, he is God hero. We can identify with heroes. He's the God hero. What does the hero do in a movie? AJ loves heroes. He's always he's always doing those things because it's attractive to him. Is he attractive to you? To me? Let Jesus Christ be the mighty God in your life. That's a line I have here in my notes. Let Jesus Christ be the mighty God in your life. In my life. Because he wants, he wants the opportunity just to show up for us. But if we don't give him the opportunity, how is he going to do it? <laughs> so we... I want to look to make sure I had enough. I have four minutes. I want to give, I want to look to make sure I have enough time to say what I want to say right now. When was the last time you asked God for something, but you had a plan B set aside? God, if you don't show up in the next 15 minutes, you know what? I think that you're telling me to use plan B. If it, we're living in such a culture that everything, you see, if the commercial is not finished in 20 seconds, we get up and leave it. 30-second soundbite is enough for us. God sometimes takes a long time. He said he will be coming back soon, over 2,000 years ago. Now, I'm not asking you to wait over 2,000 years. I'm asking you just, what if we just give him the opportunity to be who he wants to be in our lives? This Christmas season, what if we just pause a little bit longer and say, God, be the mighty, be the wonderful counselor, be the mighty God, and finally, Prince of Peace. He rules over his people with peace. The peace he gives is eternal. He is the embodiment of peace. Therefore, he rules over his redeemed people as the Prince of Bringing peace. In a post-resurrection appearance, Jesus said to his disciples, My peace I give you. The result of his coming into the hearts by faith is perfect peace. Romans 5 verse 1 reads, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. He gives us his indescribable peace the very moment we put our trust in him. So what does this Christmas truly mean for us? When you put in your faith in Christ, you have a wonderful counselor. I've, I've heard of kids who go to see my wife and they'll go and they'll sit there but you know what mommy forced me to go so because mommy forced me to go you know what 
spend the entire hour just like this. transform. They're seeing greater value to their lives. As we close, what if I tell you that's what God wants to do with us as people. He wants to give you glory for gloominess, but that can't happen unless we allow him to do his work in us. So as I close, by a show of hands, message applies to you, and I won't be more specific, if this message applies to you, and you're seeing something in this that you think you want to be open to this Christmas season, so God could transform gloominess to glory, with a show of hands, if you're online, send your request through, we'll be more than happy to pray with you, thank you, thank you, Lord, the scripture says, for unto us the son is born child is given. Government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonder of the Counselor. Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Lord, we know this 2020 has been a difficult year and it was coming to this Christmas season. We ask you today in the name of Jesus that God, will you create that divine transaction today, Lord? that removes that gloominess for your people, those who have cried out, for those who have struggled and suffered through this year, Lord Jesus. Remove that, Lord God, like you said, you prophesied, Lord Jesus. So we open our hearts today, Lord, to that wonder of a counselor. We open our hearts today to that Prince of Peace. We open our hearts to that mighty God today. We invite you, Lord. Come and have your Focus be right, Lord Jesus. Nothing else matters, Lord. So come and have your way in our hearts and lives. We pray in this season. May this be our best Christmas season ever, Lord Jesus. So come and have your way, we pray. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you, Lord. Thank you for your message today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.